I'm going to go ahead and, and get started, and I'm going to go ahead and pray. God, our Father, Lord, we're so grateful for your love to us. God, we do praise you and honor you and glorify you. We lift you up in our hearts, God, and we recognize your sovereign kingship. Indeed, you are Lord of all, and we do praise you. Lord, we thank you that you give us life and breath and everything else. That, Lord, indeed you do sustain our lives. We thank you that you've given us life and that you've brought us into existence. And and we thank you, God, that we exist for the purpose of glorifying you. We thank you, Lord, that you have shed the blood of your son, Jesus, to put away our sins. That in Christ we have redemption, even the forgiveness of our sins, and we've been reconciled to you. Father, we praise you. We thank you for this glorious privilege. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, gain divine insight into our marriages. God, help us husbands to love our wives as Christ has loved his church. Lord, help the wives to be subject in everything as to the Lord. Lord, we pray that our marriages would glorify you in every aspect, in every way. We look for your divine help, for your strength. Grant us spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord, that we might know and understand uh, how we are to glorify you in our marriages. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your rich word and for the privilege that we have to freely proclaim it here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're in our ongoing study of Ephesians chapter 5, and we have been discussing uh, uh, marriage, looking at verses uh, chapter 5, verses 20 through 22, through Ephesians chapter 5, verses 33. And um, it's actually been uh, four weeks now that I've been covering the verses from Ephesians 5, 25 through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, and really been speaking primarily in those verses to the husbands, and uh, which I'm going to just do just a, a short review, and then I, I hope to move on and, and hopefully get through verse 32 uh, at least today. But I'm going to go ahead and read and, and bring our context again. Ephesians 5, um, 22 and following. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Amen? Okay. So uh, here we are back in these verses, and I wanted to just give you a brief review of last week where we were looking at verse uh, 28 and following, which reads, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And I want to remind you of this principle that we've seen in two places here in this passage, and that is the principle that the husband is to love his wife just as, it says in verse 25, just as Christ has also loved the church. And for, for four weeks, we've been describing the love of Christ for his church and talking about how that directly applies to the husband's role in marriage. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God that this is really sinking in for husbands to, to really begin to understand that the calling that they have as a Christian husband is to love that wife in the same way that Christ loves his church. And Paul repeats this again <clears throat> here in verse 29. He says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. How? Just as Christ also does the church. You see, and how does that apply to the husband's role in marriage? Well, the husband should nourish and cherish his wife just as Christ also does the church. And so then last week we were talking about the idea that a husband should, uh, should be nurturing, he should be nourishing his wife and meeting her needs. Uh, and, and we spoke about the scope of that being all of her needs that are within his power to meet, being spiritual, emotional, social, and physical, that he has a responsibility to meet the needs of that wife just as Christ also does his church. And uh, that's a high and a holy calling. Would you agree? But you see that here in these verses is specifically focusing on these, these characteristics of nurturing and cherishing. And, you know, we talked about cherishing and how a husband will never treat his wife properly unless he has a genuine cherishing in his heart for her. He can only live out that which truly lives within. Would you agree? And therefore, he must cherish her in his heart. He must have a, a, a strong devotion in his heart and godly affection in his heart for his wife if he's going to cherish her even as Christ does his church. Amen? And uh, <clears throat> we also pointed out that the love of Christ was affectionate, and that the love of Christ was rewarding. And uh, I, I sent you to Song of Solomon, chapter 4, to read that there and how you would see the, the love of Christ expressed toward his church uh, in very vivid terms. And uh, I was talking about the fact that it is most definitely a human need 
for affection. And that in this most intimate of all relationships that we must show affection. And um, I was even asking you wives to raise your hand if you felt like affection was one of your your, uh, main needs or a major need in your life. And I got few hands. And I went away puzzled by that. I thought, what in the world are these ladies saying by not raising their hand and saying that they have a need for affection? And this is kind of what I came up with, and you can uh, shoot me down if I'm wrong. (laughs) I'm treading on thin ice here, aren't I? I was in no way referring to affection that has to do with sexual intent. Okay, What I was entirely and absolutely talking about was affection outside of the marriage bed. I was talking about practical manifestations of godly affection shown from the man to the woman without the motivation of sexual gratification. That's the kind of affection I'm talking about. Talking about the kind of affection that affirms its love and manifests its love in physical ways. This is a very basic need of a woman in marriage. And if you didn't realize that about yourself, let me just tell you that it's true. Right? And uh, many a marriage counselor can tell you that they hear the woman crying out for affection again and again and again. Okay, And I want you to know that Christ has demonstrated his affection to his church in very real and substantial ways. And the husband ought to do the same thing. And he will start by cherishing his wife in his heart. And when he cherishes his wife in his heart, he will not find it difficult to express his affection to his wife in in, uh, substantial ways. And I'm talking about in ways that are not... Uh, motivated by the desire for sexual gratification, but motivated by the desire to affirm his love and his kind devotion and affection to his wife. And if you husbands are listening with a wise, intentive ear, I want to tell you that this is a way to endear your wife's devotion to you. Because she definitely has a very uh, strong need for godly affection. Genuine affection which comes from a godly love that's in the heart that is not simply motivated by sexual gratification. Are you with me? (laughs) Sure. So having, having that explanation, would you wives affirm that that's definitely a need in your, in your marriage? Okay, I got some of them. I'm not sure what the real struggle is there. I, I surely would like to know. I surely would like to have some godly woman tell me what I'm missing. But uh, uh, it would really help me in my understanding of, of how to uh, present these, these truths uh, from the Scripture. I think from last week, um, it was the way you phrased the question mm-hmm. was like, like you're not receiving it. That's why I didn't raise my hand, because Harry's very affectionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, no, I don't have that That's need. Nice <laughs> <laughs> I think so what happens when, when we... I, when you put it as a need, I'm going, 
like, well, I don't have that need in that sense. Yeah, you don't have that need because that need's being met. So you're not, you're not really aware of it, if you will. And we're not talking about, you know, what's actually happening in your life. We're talking about truth. The truth is you have a need for affection. Talk to any woman in here who's, who's starving for it because her husband doesn't provide it or because he doesn't genuinely cherish her in his heart. And she will tell you how profoundly she needs that affection. Amen? Amen. And uh, so, uh, I, and I know that happens. You just did it again, though. <laughs> the, uh, Sharon told me once, weeks ago, when we were into this, that she feels very uncomfortable sitting in this class right now because she sees me getting beat up a lot, you know, as a man. Uh-huh. And, and the way you just phrased the question again just now, she raised her hand, she'd be beating me up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It takes it, no one would ever, not a godly woman wouldn't raise her hand mm-hmm. saying, he ain't doing it. I mean, that's the way the question came out. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. Oh, I don't think so. Um, I think that's the way the question was perceived. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. So, you know, look, if you raising your hand as a woman makes your husband feel uncomfortable that he's possibly not meeting that need of affection, um, then maybe he should be convicted about that. Well, you still miss yeah. it, <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, if we're uncomfortable. No, no, no. It's in, not that I'm going to be uncomfortable. It's that she's going to be uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, we, we, we've kind of got past the point of, you know, what's going to make me uncomfortable. Okay, but nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm presenting the truth that a woman has a definite need for affection. Regardless of whether or not that husband is meeting that need, or if he feels uncomfortable when she raises her hand or not, she has a definite need for affection. And furthermore, a husband has a responsibility before God to demonstrate godly affection to his wife. And if that beats you up, then you probably need to go repent, frankly. Okay, and and hopefully you can look at your married life and you can say, you know what, I really do generally genuinely cherish my wife in my heart. And I really do show manifestations of my godly affection to her. Hopefully that's the case. But if it's not, then I would say that changing your behavior is in order, you know, and and, and quite frankly, that's the truth. And and I love you and I'm not trying to beat anybody up. But uh, you know what, I can tell you that uh, many, many times. In, in marriage counseling, this is a major, major issue that's, that's causing problems in the marriage. That the husband is not showing proper godly affection to the wife. And uh, I'm telling you, husbands, I, I hope that you're listening. This is a, a definite need that your wife has. And it needs to be expressed. And it will be expressed if, if indeed you do genuinely cherish her. Amen? The fruit of that is going to be a manifestation of affection. Okay? And then also we were talking about, is that a hot button or what? <laughs> oh, boy, you guys were awful quiet about it last week. I thought, I'm missing something. We, we, yes. I was just going to say, I do need affection. But I was like, Sophia, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't mm-hmm. fully comprehend what you're saying because Daniel does try to meet that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we got it now, though. I'm not suggesting that you raise your hand because your husband's not meeting that need. I'm suggesting that you raise your hand because, yes, indeed, it is, in, in fact, a real need that you have. Maria? Yeah, and we're most we're most definitely at this point instructing the husband, right? The husband is the one who's bearing this responsibility to have affectionate love for his wife, and uh, so we're hoping that the husbands aren't taking that for granted, that they're understanding this need, and uh, you wives would do well to affirm to your husband that you have a need for affection. Trust me, even if he is meeting that need. Mm-hmm. Whether we are uh, meeting it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, amen. Hopefully we know that. And I, I would, if I was a husband, I would be considering. I would be considering whether or not I am showing proper godly affection to my wife and whether or not my affection is motivated by a godly, cherishing love that is inside my heart and not simply motivated by sexual gratification. And I'm I'm not saying that uh, uh, sexual manifestations of affection are wrong in marriage. Certainly they are not. They are very proper. Okay? But that should not continually be the motivation behind affection. And it should not be the core value that is motivating affection. The core value should be a godly, cherishing love for her person, not her body. Amen? Somebody else had, Karen? I see now I see heads nodding and everything. <laughs> wow. Frankly, I, I would love to see such a list if, if any of you ladies would be willing to produce one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> if you if you want to write up a list, I would I would I would really would like to see that, and I I think I think we could all benefit from it. And so, if you're interested in doing that, please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to recommend that book. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to kind of keep that silent. <laughs>
at this point. Um, when uh, each one of wife and husband are God, are affection godly, and we're showing affection, the sexual part just comes natural. Mm-hmm. I feel because when uh, uh, and Ron's very good at meeting my emotional and affectionate mm-hmm. needs. Did all you husbands hear that? No. Okay, let me re- kind of repeat what she said. And I hope you got your ears on. She said what, when, a, when a husband displays godly manifestations of affection outside of the marriage bed, the sexual side of affection in response from the woman comes much more naturally and easier. Did you hear that? That Okay. So I think that's important for husbands to hear. If you're struggling sexually, mm-hmm. you better go back to the basics. Each one, wife and Amen. Everybody hear that? I think that's wise advice from Carol James there. Okay. One more. As a husband, as a, as a, as a husband, I through the last few weeks we've been going over this and over this, and I've been going about listening and studying and praying on it in a reinforcing sense. This is stuff I, I kind of knew, but this is great reinforcement, reinforcing, reinforce, reinforce, study, check myself, you know, am I doing what it says? But this discussion we've had in the last 15 minutes, you know, started with Maria saying, you know, sometimes you think you are doing great, but you're really not. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a, probably the biggest eye-opener I've heard in the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to thinking about it, and then Karen kind of added on to that. You know, mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you've got your list of things you're doing that you think you're doing great. Sometimes your list is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this has been the most convicting thing I've heard in the last few weeks. That's Praise the Lord. Been. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm glad for that. And I, quite frankly, I'm... I've, I've, as I've prayed and studied through this, I've, I've thought I have sought God for ways to penetrate into the husband's mind and cause him to examine his behavior according to the standards that God has set forth in his word. And um, I, I'm, I'm exhausted on ways to do that, except for a little bit of the material that's, that's left here. Um, it is amazing to me how many hands are going up and how many people have comments all of a sudden. It's it's uh, it's. Yeah, that was in my first lesson to husbands. Do you remember that? And I was telling you it was the subject of the book, uh, the complete husband. That uh, the main theme behind that was that the wife uh, would would be your report card, if you will, for how well of a job you're doing, right? And uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Scott. I think that, uh, you know, not only that, but just well, how about just the harmony and the peace that you enjoy in your marriage? Is that not a barometer for how well you as a husband are loving your wife as Christ loves the church? I think it is. Uh, not only that, 
uh, it's a barometer for how well you as a wife are affirming your husband's love and affirming his leadership, okay, because you have a responsibility in this uh, marriage as well. Amen? Takes two to tango, right? Larry, go ahead. Well, we got married, we were Christians. So now that we are, I told you that I was meeting all these standards she disagreed with me. But I know I'm not. I mean, I can't. It's hard for me to meet this what Christ does. It's hard for me to make nothing. This has been very convincing. But in the meantime, I love my wife more now than I did before. Mm-hmm. Just because I see her the way he sees her. Amen. Amen. We see the heart of Christ. When we talk about the way that Christ loves his church, we see the things that motivate his heart. We see those inner godly characteristics that motivate the actions of Christ. And and that, as a Christian husband, needs to be our chief desire, that we would be changed inwardly and that we would possess that true godly love that's inside the heart that will then manifest itself in ways that are very much like Christ. And I want to say, if, you, if you're if you a Christian husband and you've been in this class for the last four weeks and you haven't been utterly convicted, then you got your blinders on. You're, you're, you're missing some very major things. Because I want to tell you, you are not loving your wife like Christ loves the church. That is a very high and holy standard. And, I, and at the same time, I don't want to discourage you from thinking that you... You can't continue to seek after and and model that behavior which Christ has modeled for us. You can, and many of you are doing a good job at it. But we have to continually keep striving because we are constantly ascending into that nature of Christ. We are constantly being conformed into the image of Christ. And uh, this is a very real way for married people, for married husbands, right, to emulate that godliness, to, to, uh, to be that imitator of God that we were called to be in Ephesians 5.1, right? And for Christian husbands, this standard is, is, is very difficult. As I've said several times over the last few weeks, you can't do this without the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I think sometimes we look at the standard and we think it's so high that we just kind of throw our hands up in the air and say, man, I can't get there. Or the wife is saying... Listen to these things. My husband will never be there, you know. And uh, I want to encourage you that you can do these things through Christ who gives you strength. God is not going to command you to do something you cannot do. And he holds out that standard of Christ so that we have something to continually keep striving for. We have a model of perfection that causes us to be changed into his image. From glory to glory, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? So um, I'm going to move through this, uh, this section here on page 50. And, you know, there's probably some terms in here that some of you are going to want to take issue with. I wanted to tell you that I think it's a matter of semantics. Um But nevertheless, I feel like I really need to express these things to Christian husbands. Uh, And I think it's something that you need to be considering. And if you don't feel like somehow that these things are supported by Scripture, well, 
I want you to know that some of these things are really are beyond the direct commandment of Scripture. But uh, I want you to know that there are principles here that apply from Scripture that you can employ in your marriage that I think will greatly enhance your marriage. Okay? So here we go, starting with uh, meeting a woman's emotional needs. And here's, here's kind of what I mean by this. If you, if you do any study on biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, you find out that men and women are made uh, differently, that they are, as John MacArthur puts it, different by design, right? And so because they're different in their character and in their nature, their roles and their responsibilities, which God has created them for, differ. And uh, there's a lot that could be said about that. I would recommend the book to you different by design like I did one week. And there's another really good book that I, I like a lot. It's, it's by John Piper, and it's called What's the Difference? And it's the same kind of idea, describing uh, the differences between uh, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood and how they apply to marriage and so on and so forth. And there's even a much more comprehensive book if you want to do deep study on this which is written by Wayne Grudem and John Piper, and it's called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And it is a very good reference. And it's actually there's several other authors besides those guys, but that's a great book um, for understanding the difference in design between the man and the woman. But when we talk about meeting a woman's emotional needs, what we're saying is that a woman is created with characteristics where she seems to have much more profound emotional and social needs than a man does, okay? And uh, if you're a husband, you, you ought to pay attention to this. And I think it's been one of the most difficult things for me as a husband is, is to learn how to meet these needs that my wife has because I don't really understand her. And, uh, you know, men joke all the time about not being able to understand women, right? Why is that? Because it's very hard for a man to understand that character and nature of a woman. They are very different, you know. And, and for us, everything is logical and reasonable, and, 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 uh, uh, or, or at least uh, many times that's the, the, uh, the case. And, and uh, it's very difficult for us to understand how to view something through, through an emotional sense or whatever. And uh, uh, so we get frustrated. We, uh, you know, we throw our hands up in the air. We say, what in the world is with her? I can't figure it out. And yet God is saying, you husbands in 1 Peter 3, 7, dwell with your wives in an understanding way. And God is commanding you to understand your wife. Okay. And so that's why I present some of this material to you here. But meeting a woman's emotional needs. Husbands have a divine calling to meet the needs of their wives just like they care for their own. You wouldn't deprive yourself of food or clothing, nor would you ignore your own spiritual and emotional needs, would you? We are therefore to meet the same needs for our wives. You wouldn't starve yourself, so why then would you starve your wife of affection? Okay, consider that. You know, if, if your wife has this need then and, and you're the one that needs to meet that need in the marriage, then you have a responsibility to do it. And be careful not to starve her. Why? Because Christ nourishes his church. Amen? 
He meets those needs. He, he fulfills those needs. And so you as a husband have the same responsibility. Um, and I want to point out some of these needs that I have either heard expressed in counseling or I've heard them expressed in books written by Christian authors about different various needs in marriage uh, and, and or these would be direct principles right out of the scripture, okay? Um, on your handout there, it says, The most important thing to most wives is a daily time of intimate communication with their husbands. Uh, and I changed that on my notes. It says, uh, An important thing to many wives is a daily time of intimate communication with their husbands. Okay? Uh, it's important to a wife to sit down and have dialogue with her husband. So sit down and talk about how was your day. And, uh, and let me express all of these things. You know, um, I, I, I can't quite find the words I need to express this, this need that women have. But I have noticed specifically in my marriage that my wife has this need. She needs for me to sit down and look her in the eyes and talk to her and express my love to her and let her express the things that happened in her day and have communication with me on an intimate level. And also, I want to tell you that for me as a man, it is my nature not to want to do that when I come home from work and I've been working all day. What my nature is, I want to go sit down and rest and be quiet and do my thing whatever that thing may be, right? And, and uh, if you will, it takes a bit of a sacrifice on my part to be able to sit there and to have that intimate communication. And for me, it's kind of like work, frankly, because I'm just not... You, some of you husbands understand what I'm talking about? I see a lot of nodding heads. That's a good thing. Okay, it's kind, it's kind of like work, but I want to tell you it's the kind of sacrifice that you need to make in your marriage to meet this need that your wife has. She has this need to communicate at that intimate level. And it doesn't matter how tired you are, and it doesn't matter what you've been through, and it doesn't matter what kind of stresses and strife you're going through in your life. Listen, your wife has that need, and you need to meet it. So you need to stop and pay attention and talk to her. Daniel? Just that it is, uh, it's been observed, and it, again, it's a general thing uh, you know, for everybody, but that Men tend to talk less when they are tired. Women tend to talk more when they are tired. <laughs> and, that, and that there's just a, there's, so there's a semi-natural disconnect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, you know, when you say it's somewhat like work to you, well, that's because there is a general tendency for men to not want to talk the more tired they get. They just mm -hmm. they don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move through this. Women have a need to feel appreciated and accepted, as do men. Okay? They have a need to feel appreciated for the way that they love you and serve you and are a good wife to you and care for your children. They, they want to know that their, their efforts are appreciated. Don't you? Don't you want to know, as a, as a husband, that, you're, that your uh, uh, efforts in the marriage and in, in going to work all day to support the family and so on, don't you want to know that somebody appreciates that? You do. You absolutely do. 
and your wife has the same need, right? So a husband must verbalize his appreciation and acceptance of his wife. Okay? We, we, you know, it's real easy for us sometimes to, to criticize, to try to reprove uh, our wives because we see uh, error or we don't think they ought to act that way or, or, they, or we, they didn't do something to our approval. We don't like our toast cooked that way or whatever, right? And, and many times our words are critical. They're harsh. They're condemning. And, you know, listen, <laughs> if there's some reproof, fine if it's done in godly love and it's done properly and it's properly motivated, right? But that shouldn't be the overwhelming and continual practice. Shouldn't it rather be uh, a voicing of affection and, and of uh, acceptance and, and of devotion and kindness and love? Shouldn't it be that in marriage? What should it be like? Shouldn't you be her prince? And shouldn't you speak to her like a prince does a princess? Yeah, you should. You should. You ought to speak to her with that kind of respect. Why? Because the church of Christ is a royal bride. That's why. And Christ speaks to you with grace. And he speaks to you with much uh, respect endowed. Why? Because you are his bride, the holy and blameless church of God. Amen? And you ought to, as a husband, you ought to be treating your wife in the same way. Would you agree? If you're going to treat her just, just as Christ does his church, you should. And you know what? Christ does reprove his church. On many occasions, Christ reproves his church. And you know what? That's a part of godly husband's leadership. There should be reproof when the wife is out of order. Okay? But if, if day in and day out, that's all that's going on, we got a problem, Houston. Amen? So <clears throat> consider that. Husbands need to praise their wives. And speak affectionately to them. They must know that we adore them. Remember how you would speak to her when you were courting. Tell me, why would you speak to your wife in a certain manner when you were courting, but now that you've been married for 20 years, you don't feel like you need to do that? Why is that the case? Joe? Best foot forward thing, huh? Tell us about that, Joe. Mm. trying to win her want to make a good impression you know I'm not really like this <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like this because I, oh, I want to marry you. Then, you then you can come be my slave for the rest of my life right you, you, you with me how about let's keep putting our best foot forward what about that what about why don't why don't we just model being, you know, the best Christian that we can be in our everyday life? Instead of putting on these masks and these facades, which really is nothing but hypocrisy, which is why I keep talking about having a genuine love inside your heart. Letting the reality of that devotion and that affection really live inside your heart for your wife. And if it's not there, cry out to God, he'll give it to you. Amen. Uh, at least you can start by seeking the face of the Lord for help, for strength, 
for a deep inward change of the heart if it's not there. Amen? Let's be real. But let's be really the best we can be all the time. Let's treat them just like we treated them when we were courting them. Why would we change that? Have you thought about that? Yeah, we do. We get used. It's really for the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. Not for your glory or her glory or anybody else's glory. It's for mm-hmm. the glory of the Lord. Amen. And so if that's the motivation of your heart, it should just be there. It should be on your mind as you wake up saying, I'm living my day for for the cause of Christ. Amen. Not for my pleasure. It's for the Lord's pleasure. And I am submitting myself to my husband as to the Lord in everything and respecting him. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. And I am loving my wife just as Christ loved his church and gave himself up for her. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Is that not what the text says? It does, right? And so our motivation should always be the glory of God, first and foremost, right? But uh, we need to really think about these things. Guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we're walking every day. Amen? Okay? A husband's love should not be controlling and binding, but generally speaking, it should be freeing, encouraging, and uplifting. Let me ask you this. Is your wife encouraged in her faith by the way that you treat her and love her as a husband? Okay? And here's what I would say. It should be. Your wife should be encouraged in her faith by the way that you love her and treat her as a husband. Because Christ encourages his church by the way he loves her. Amen? Okay. I had this note, the most beneficial thing a father can do for his children is love his wife. Give that give those kids a godly example of what godly affection is. We could talk for days on how that would impact your children and what their expectations of a spouse ought to be. So on and so forth. Amen. Do you have something else? Amen. That's good advice. Sounds like a wise man to me. Here's some more. Quality time together with the husband, doing whatever. The time is what is important. And uh, I'll take a little help from a friend here. Uh, Doing whatever ought to be edifying time. Spending quality edifying time with your wife. Let me make a suggestion. Sit down and read the Bible to your wife. Novel concept, huh? But nevertheless, a husband needs to spend time with his wife. She needs you, not everything that you're doing and everything that you are. She needs you, the person. 
intimacy, communication, right? And uh, you can't do that if you're not spending time together. You know, if, if you go to work all day and then you come home and you sit on the computer for four hours or you watch TV and you're not spending any time with your wife, listen, you're, you're failing to love her with the kind of love that Christ has for his church. That You know, the two are one flesh. <coughs> you're, you're, you know, you're one person together in the Lord. And you, you can't ignore that, the intimacy that needs to take place. And that intimacy cannot take place without spending time together, frequently, regularly, daily. Amen? Got to make time. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're married to your career, you're most likely not married to your wife. You with me? Or any other thing, for that matter. Uh, uh, she has a need for a husband who is spiritually whole, who meets her spiritual needs, who models Christ in his behavior and leads her and her family to Christ continually. Okay? The woman needs you to act like the head of the wife. She needs you to do the things that a godly leader does in a home. Right? Right? She needs you to be the kind of husband that Christ is to his church. She needs you to take the spiritual reins in the house and wear the spiritual pants and do the things that Christ does in his house. Amen? Don't shirk those responsibilities. Those are your responsibilities. And they, you will give an account to God for that as a husband. So you got to take, listen, you got to take your wife to the scripture frequently. You've got to model godly living with your actions, with your speech. You've got to be that spiritual leader that Christ is calling you to be. Your wife has a desperate need for you to be that. And the reason why we have so many Christian families that are out of order and the women is, woman is wearing the pants is because the husbands aren't doing what they need to do. They're not taking that role that is rightfully theirs and fulfilling it, okay? And that screws the whole thing up, quite frankly. And it, it is a shameful thing for a family to be out of order like that. Are you with me? You understand? You see that in situations around you? It's not a good thing. Husband needs to be wearing the pants, making the decisions, providing godly direction, Setting this biblical standards in the home and enforcing those standards. You with me? That's that's a that's a role of manhood. Amen? God help us. God help us. Woman has a need for a husband who is sincere in his love to her and expresses genuine love from his heart. Again, we're talking about what's going on inside the heart, guys. Is there a real genuine love inside your heart for your wife? And if there's not, that's where you need to start. You need to go to God and you need to say, God, transform my heart. Change my heart, God. Give me a sincere and a genuine love for my wife so that I can respond properly to you, Lord, so that I can fulfill your commands to love her. Right? It's got to be in the heart or it'll never be in the actions. 
It's got to be in the heart or it'll never be in the speech. Right? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if what's inside your heart for your wife is a genuine, godly love and affection, then that's what ought to be coming out of your mouth. Amen? And if the other way around, if what's coming out of your mouth isn't genuine love and godly affection, what's that say about what's going on inside the heart? Amen? So that's where we got to start. We got to rend our hearts, us sinners. Right? And humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And seek Him for that cleansing in the heart. So that what is in here is Christ. Amen? Your wife needs that. If, if you don't genuinely love her in her heart, she is malnourished. If you don't genuinely love her in her heart, you're failing as a husband and she, her needs aren't being met. And that creates manifold problems. Amen? God help us. Okay? When overloaded or stressed, a woman needs space or a brief time away to unwind. Or at times, help with her responsibilities or even a break. The stresses and work of motherhood and wifery are constantly there to weigh her down. Now, I'm not suggesting that God is giving mothers and wives more than they can bear. But I am suggesting that if your wife has a house full of kids and from the crack of dawn till she lays her head on the pillow at night, She is constantly waging the war of caring for kids and meeting your needs as a husband. And that never goes away. It never goes away, ever. Those kids are there for 18, 20, 25, and more years from the time that she bears them in her womb. Okay? A woman needs her husband's help. She needs help. She's carrying a a real weight. Okay? And I want to ask you this question. In all of the uh, duties of Christian life, does Christ, your husband, give you help? Does he come to your aid? Does he encourage you and strengthen you in all of the duties and things that you have to do? He does. And in that same way, in a physical sense, in the marriage, listen, a husband needs to be a help and an encouragement to his wife. Okay? I mean, you know, especially if the kids are small, you know? If you got, if you got, you know, like Danielle over here, she's got three boys, right? How old are the boys? Five, Five, three, and three. And I want to tell you, they are bouncing off the wall continually. Right? Listen, when the husband comes home, I mean, just a little bit of time, 30 minutes, an hour, you know, take them kids and, you know, let the poor woman, you know, I don't know what you do. Make dinner and quiet. Make dinner and quiet. Okay. Okay. I'm just suggesting that you can't, you cannot just continue to think that she's got it all under control, she never needs any help, 
You know, that's her thing. You know, keep them kids in that other room quiet, woman. I'm trying to read the paper. You with me? I'm, I'm trying to tell you, husband, your, your wife needs your help in fulfilling her duties because they are always and they are constant. You know, you get up and you go to work in the morning, and maybe you work from 10 hours a day or whatever, 8 hours a day, right? And then you get off. And you hit the time clock, and you get to go home to your refuge and your pretty wife and your loving family and a nice warm dinner, right? And your wife never hits the time clock. She never hits the time clock. Maybe, okay, she gets to sleep in the evening and she'll get some rest then, sometimes. Right? <laughs> but do you, you understand my point? It's not like that for her. She, and she needs help with that. And uh, I'm suggesting that you need to help her. And if you don't see that need, then I, I think that uh, you need to take a second look. You need to take a second look. A husband that will comfort her frequently rather than lecture or criticize. Okay, I already addressed that. But I want to add this. She needs your shoulder, not your mouth, in times of failure or crisis. And here's what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of times a woman will respond emotionally to something and she'll blow it. Okay? She she has enough, and so she blows her top, and she gets angry to everybody or whatever, okay? And then the husband comes along, and he's going to reprove her like he should, okay? Um, but what happens is, is that <clears throat> a lot of times the wife is well aware that she blew it. And she's well aware that she has failed, Okay? And especially if this is kind of an ongoing struggle or battle with a certain situation or whatever, okay? What I would suggest is, is that you as a husband, if you have already reproved her, especially more than once, that you will find it much more powerful if you will simply try to comfort her after she's failed rather than bust her over the head with a Bible or with Scripture, okay? That's my recommendation to you. You can take that or you can leave it. Um, but what I'm trying to say is many times the woman knows she is failing and what she needs is support and encouragement rather than constant criticism. Okay? And uh, think about Christ. And although his reproof is ever-present in his word, his grace is sufficient to help you in time of need. And his mercy is there to help you. And his forgiveness is there to cleanse you and comfort you and wash you and dust you off and get your feet back on the road to start marching again. Amen? Think about the way that Christ graciously and mercifully ministers to his church even when she's failing him. Amen? Okay? She needs your understanding, kind-hearted attention and a listening ear. I don't know about you as a husband. This is a real difficult one for me sometimes. Because I'm, I'm like a lot of men. I'm thick-skulled. I'm hard-headed. Right? And a lot of times, instead of listening, 
I'm already thinking about the way it ought to be, right? Because I don't have enough compassion to stop and to have a little bit of intimate communication with my wife. And that's a sin on my part. You know, she she has an opinion. She has desires. She has a mind to think for herself. She wants to communicate. She wants to talk. The, the, the least thing you could do out of respect for her is to listen to what she has to say. Amen? Scott? The problem with men listening is as soon as we hear the problem, we got to fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she taught me, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hold me. Amen. Oh, brother, I want to crawl under the table, brother. (laughs) Uh, I am king of fix it. (laughs) I'm sorry, my love. I'm sorry. Help me. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) Sophia. Did all you wives hear that? I think that's great advice, but I want to I want to point something out also. You said there, Sophia, that if you come in and the timing's not right and he's distracted, I don't have his undivided attention and I get frustrated. That is expressing the very need of a woman that I'm trying to tell the husbands about right now. That they need understanding, kind-hearted attention and a listening ear. And, and Sophia is wisely saying the timing is not always right for that, and she's trying to be sensitive to that. But what I'm trying to tell you is, you husbands, your wife has that need. Don't forget that. Be attentive to it. Pay attention to that fact, okay? Uh, that's something that you need to learn how to respond to properly. Sharon, were you going to comment? You know, I forget that. So I know that my wife has that need, but I forget that more often than anything. And I, it, it, it helps me greatly if she can communicate to me somehow that she just needs me to hold her or to pay attention to her. Don't, don't fix my problem. Just listen to me, okay? It's hard for us to communicate that to each other. Uh, 
And I, you know, by nature, I forget that all the time. Man, my first thing is, you know, it's a problem. Here's what we got to do to fix it. You know, I got the scripture all categorized up here in my brain, right? She's, here's the problem. And I'm like, oh, well, thus saith the Lord, you know? And, and I mean, frankly, I mean, we, 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 you know, we, listen, we need to learn how to communicate at that level. And, and frankly, it's a very beautiful thing in marriage when, when you learn how to respond to one another in a way that glorifies God without shirking any of your responsibilities and still speaking the truth in love. You know, this is the goal we're shooting for, is this kind of harmony in marriage that, that really is a beautiful thing. And it's manifested in the relationship that Christ has with his church. You with me? Um, we're going to have to end here, but I want, I want to... Uh, I want to, if you have a number 52, on the back of that, there's these statements by John Piper. And I, I, want, to, I want to read these to you. And here's the thing I was just talking about, that beauty of learning how to fulfill your, your role, your biblical role in marriage, and what that does in your marriage and how it manifests the Christ Church relationship. Here's some words that really kind of describe that. I want to start with the one that says biblical headship, biblical headship. Biblical headship for the husband is the divine calling to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision in the home. Okay, that's biblical headship. Biblical submission for the wife is the divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. Okay? And when those two are doing what they're supposed to do, here's this other statement, which is above that. It says, This is the way God intended it before there was any sin in the world. Sinless man, full of love, in his tender, strong leadership in relation to woman, and sinless woman full of love in her joyful, responsive support for man's leadership. Two intelligent, humble, God-entranced beings living out in beautiful harmony their unique and different responsibilities. Sin distorted this purpose at every level. Okay? Would you please go away and read those and think about them and ponder them? And think about how they relate to your marriage and see how those statements might help you to kind of apply all of this scripture that we've been learning through the last five or six weeks. I'm asking you to please do that. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover this again, uh, hopefully next week. And I'll be going then through verses uh, 31 through 33. And... Um, and then we're going to be talking about Christian parenting. We're going to start in Ephesians 5, chapter 6, verse 1, and looking at uh, verses 1 through verse 4. And uh, we're going to spend at least a couple of weeks talking about Christian parenting uh, from the context of Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Okay? Shall we pray? God, our Father, we are so thankful for the love that you demonstrate to us. We're so thankful for your example of true love to us, God. I pray that it would 
cleanse our hearts, that it would encourage us to continue to press on and to have that same love in our hearts. I pray that you would grant us spiritual wisdom and understanding that we might lay hold of this love that you have for your church. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us against temptation and sin and against the onslaughts of the enemy. God, strengthen us, I pray, against the flesh in our marriages. Help us to put the old man to death and to let the new man live. Help the husbands to have tender, strong leadership. Help the wives, God, to have joyful, responsive, affirming of his leadership. God, grant us your peace and your joy in our marriages, I pray. Help us to eat the good fruit of your Holy Spirit, God. We thank you for your love to us and for your rich word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.